Hey, welcome to the Mom Podcast. I'm Joel here with Dad. And I'm Rick. Hey, so we've been going through the my new book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. It's available, uh, as you're listening to this, it's available now, March March the 14th. Um, so it's available anywhere books are sold in audiobook. The basic premise of the book is that God is always at work in our lives and most of the time, though, we can't see it or understand it. We only really get understanding on it when we look back. So life is lived forward, but it's only understood looking backwards. And in the book, I basically have the idea that God is always leading. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That Hebrew word for path is my goal, and it means paths made of circles. So you've probably seen in your life where God kind of takes you in this circular journey where you're coming back to certain things or time frames or places, or you're going, this again? Again? Really? But every time it looks a little bit different, and you've got a little bit of a new perspective each time, which is the chapter we're talking about today. Um, we've been talking about every season has like about nine stages, and the eighth stage is what I'm convinced is called the new perspective where you all of a sudden wake up and you realize slowly but surely the way you've seen the world has changed. And that's a fascinating thing about revelation is revelation in our life is usually, it's not that we awaken to something brand new. It's something that was already there. We just see it in a new way. Um, I think that's what Paul was talking about when he says in Ephesians 4, he says, um, I want you to um, know the fullness of God. Like when you come to Christ, the fullness of his spirit is placed within you. And the rest of life is figuring out what that looks like. Uh, discovering that, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's not like you get more and more of God within you. It says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead comes and lives in you. Yeah. And most of the rest of our faith is becoming aware of what that means within you. And I think that's what happens uh-huh. in every great journey. So this is not like going around on a merry-go-round where you go around and around and around and around. You just keep seeing the same thing over and over again. No. Because this is this sort of has a an upward movement toward it. Yeah, it's like an it's I I think of it like a, like a, a tornado. Like a tornado a yeah, it's an ever widening spiral, getting yeah. wider and wider. And uh, I mean, I think that's really what growth is. Is is it's growth isn't arriving at a certain place. Growth is realizing there's always more to grow. Uh, I mean, maturity. Excuse me. Is right. maturity isn't arriving at a certain place. I am now mature. Now mature. Because when you get to maturity, we did a, actually our <laughs> most popular podcast by gobs of people is how to be mature yeah. it's from two three years ago i was looking at our stats the other day i don't know why that one's so popular but it has gone gangbusters how to be mature and our basic conclusion if you don't want to listen to the episode is you when you're mature yeah you get there and go gosh i don't know anything yeah <laughs> you don't even know you're mature well the next stage beyond maturity with like with fruit is rotten. Rotten, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. If you really think you're mature, you're probably a little bit rotten, maybe. Yeah, true. So, which, which is an interesting part of the new perspective is one of the things I say in there is that as God is ever increasing our kind of awareness of who he is and who we are, um, you start to see things from a different angle. And the danger can be, you know, the, the curse of knowledge yeah. is that when you know something, you forget what it was like to not know something, right, yeah. to not know it. And so sometimes we look down on people and you go, how can they be so stupid or small-minded? Yeah. Hey, they just didn't know, and you didn't know at one point. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's willful blindness, but there's naivete. And sometimes we don't want to know stuff, which that's willful blindness. That's on you. But then there's naivety. There's just stuff like there's just stuff my daughter Elise doesn't understand because she's seven years old. Yeah. And our spiritual walks the same way. And one of the dangers we have is as we get older in the faith, 
you you kind of learn some things and you start to look back at other people and you're like, oh, they just don't get it. Yeah. And, and that's that's unfortunately not maturity, really. That's I think one of the funny things is I've had I had a guy tell me the other day, he's like, Well, now that I'm enlightened, I can't relate <laughs> to people that are like this. I'm like, Anytime somebody has to tell you they're enlightened, run. Because they're probably not. They probably have just enough knowledge to make them arrogant, which is what Paul talks about, where he says, much knowledge, I left the King James, puffeth up. Yeah, Much knowledge puffeth up. When you get knowledge, it just has this tendency to make you feel a little more more better (laughs) than everybody else. Well, the whole mess started with uh, wanting knowledge, right? The knowledge, Mm -hmm. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's where the whole mess started. Yeah. So one of the challenges with perspective is like you learn something new, but then you also have to recognize to, you have. I I talk in the chapter of the book specifically about how it's this process of transcend and include. So like you don't despise what you just learned. Uh, You recognize it was part of getting you to where you are. And if you kind of despise and reject, resent those earlier stages of your life, um, you you miss out on it. That's what Paul, he says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. I think what he's talking about there is this idea that you get a revelation of who God is and then it takes you to the next level, but you don't despise that earlier faith that you yeah. had or that earlier way of uh, seeing That things. was the foundation upon which it was built and you can't build layer two until you have layer one yeah until you have the foundation so yeah so what what stood out for you in that chapter well um i thought this was a super encouraging chapter i you know i'd encourage anybody if you're just if you're discouraged just uh just listen read chapter seven skip and eight to skip the, the end yeah skip the rest <laughs> especially chapter six that dark cave if you're discouraged you don't need that man skip right to now the end. Yeah, go, yeah. go to seven and eight you know yeah. get the new perspective and get that new uh it was yeah it was just really encouraging uh, for example, I think one of the things you said, and when I first read it, I thought, what? It, it, it said, uh, it's possible that the worst possible thing right now in your life, the thing that's the worst in your life right now, could become something that is quite glorious. And I thought, what? And, and then, of course, you use the example of Joseph, and I go, oh, yeah, that's right. And yeah. even the example of Jesus. You know, Joseph, of course, yeah. things went from bad to worse for him. He a couple got of times, thrown yeah. into a pit, sold into slavery, lied about potentially pulled out of prison by a guy yeah. that got forgotten and then overnight bam yeah he's the guy where they said uh you know they said cheer up things could get worse so i cheered up and sure things enough things got, got worse, worse. And all <laughs> indications were he, he kept a really good attitude through yeah it. yeah there's no indication that but, he didn't yeah and so so i i think uh seeing that and if you're in the middle of a really really rough time right now that was god's work in his life and and joseph somehow we don't know if during the middle of it he could see it kind of doubt it but at the end of it, he certainly could see this was God working to bring about his purpose. I, it's fascinating to me. If I had been through what Joseph had been through, I oh, mean, yeah. even if I'm the second most powerful in the charge now and, and my family came up, I'd be like, you goober, <laughs> you goobers, you're about to get it, right? Yeah. But he immediately says, oh, no, no, no. He's like, don't be afraid. He's like, God sent me ahead of you for the saving of many lives. And I'm talking, I'm thinking, what a perspective that yeah. guy had. Like, how do you even... How did he even see that? He obviously worked through everything I talk about in this book, processing <laughs> it, the dark cave. You see that in his story. Yeah. And he comes out with this perspective realizing that's what God was doing, which is where there's this part in there where I say that Paul says something that makes me very uncomfortable. He says, don't judge anything. Now, I've heard yeah. all sorts of hippie gurus being like, bro, don't judge. And you're like, yeah. dude, 
you got to judge some stuff. Yeah. If you, there's certain stuff, if you don't judge it as wrong, like you're just participating in the evil. So there's like, where's this balance between finding, like judging things and not judging things. And, and what I think he's talking about in there is this idea. He says, when the day is revealed, when the day comes, it will all be revealed. Yeah. Paul talks. Don't about judge this. things before it's before time. Before the time. He's like, yeah. I don't even judge myself. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. He's saying, there's so many things in my life right now that I can't even I don't have a big enough perspective right now to be able to evaluate how what's happening right now fits into the big picture. He says, so don't judge anything. When the day comes, it will be revealed. And I think that's a powerful thing. That's very hard though, because there's certain things you got to say, that's wrong, that's, that's yeah. happening. But really, if you look at it in the big, 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 big picture, that's where I said that quote, there's a very good possibility that what could seem like the worst possible thing for you turned out to be the best possible thing. Yeah. After a lot of time passes. Yeah. Yeah. After, well, you know, the thing is too, in that judging thing, even in, in a, like a trial, there are two stages of the judgment. The first step is guilty or innocent. And so, yeah, I can decide this is right. This is wrong. This is right. This is wrong. You have to make those decisions. But then there's the second stage after guilt or innocence has been determined, then they come back again and they determine the consequences. So I'm going to, you know, send this guy to jail for life or I'm going to turn him loose or whatever, you know. So in our lives, too, we have to decide, look, this is right. This is wrong. That's evil. This is good. Um, but then it's not up to me to go to the second stage and condemn. Man, I wish I would have checked with you before I wrote that chapter. That is deep. Like, that's so true because there are certain things like it was wrong what your dad did to you. Like, yeah. that's clear. Yeah. That was so wrong. What are the consequences? Well, God gets to decide the That's consequences. Yeah. 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 So you don't judge. You judge it was wrong. Yeah. But you don't judge the final consequences. Only God gets that final say, which is when you've got all, as I think I say in the book, I was like, when you have ultimate power, like real ultimate power, when you can bring <laughs> dead things to life, when you can heal the sick, yeah, all bets are off when you're dealing with that kind of power. There's literally nothing that cannot be done with even the worst of possible situations. All bets are off. Yeah. Yeah, I think of Jesus, you know, he's going through the crowd and that he's he's going to heal a sick guy or girl, I can't remember which, really very, very sick. And that woman with the issue of blood touches him and he stops. He stops. He's in no hurry. Uh, he's, ah, but come on, come on. He's dying. He's dying. Eh, we'll get there. Yeah. No worries. You're like, yeah, don't worry. But you know, the crazy thing is that promise in Romans eight twenty eight. I wouldn't even believe it was in there if somebody just told me it. It's like, it's almost too much. The one that we know that all things all work things together work together for the good of those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose, which is clearly us, Yeah, you know, and to think that God is at work, working all things. I mean, I could see eh, some things, Hey, it, you know, it'll probably work out maybe even 50% of the time it'll work out for good. If you just, but I, I mean, if we really believed that, mm-hmm. how would our lives change? How would our lives change if we really, and the crazy part is that passage starts out and we know, I know that's the thing. Like that's quite optimistic, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I really do know that. Yeah, I told somebody, you know, there's things in the Bible that aren't true, and that's one of them. And we know. I'm not sure I know that. I mean, I, in my head, maybe, but in my he, he heart, he may have known at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'd seen yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, who's this "we" you're talking about? <laughs> that's and that's the, the challenge with with one of the first new perspectives we have to have is that really do we actually believe God is working all things together for good? And then what the good is him transforming us into his, that's at that where he talks about we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And talked about this before the way God transforms us is through love 
and suffering. And yeah. that's the cross. I mean, that's the image of the cross is that's what transforms us is great love shown on that cross through great suffering. And that's what transforms us. And in each stage we go through, it, it tends to be, we get a great experience of God's love and a great experience of suffering. And usually those go hand in hand as we're suffering, yeah. we're opened up to his love. It's a weird thing. I wish it said, you know, this says through much in Acts, it says through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. I wish it said through eating much Krispy Kreme, we enter yeah. the kingdom of God, but it doesn't. <laughs> you might enter quicker. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, so, but one of the other things I point out in that chapter, and I think this is really important is the more of life you live, the more perspective you gain, ideally, in theory. And the challenge is, um, Paul says something really, there's a, there's a weird verse that I think we lose the power of it because it's so weird. Where he says, now regarding me, actually, let me pull up the exact verse because it's such a weird verse. Uh, it's like, I, I, I think it just so easily gets lost in what he says. He says in 1 Corinthians 8, now about food sacrificed to idols. Oh, that's pretty important for today that we... Yeah, I'm like... Would you continue? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll check out of this chapter. He says, we know that we all possess knowledge and knowledge puffs up. That's where that verse came uh-huh. from. Knowledge puffeth up, but love builds up. So. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols... We know that an idol is not a thing at all in the world, and there's no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, basically, here's what he's saying. There were these people in, in Corinth where they refused to eat meat sacrificed to idols. So they would sacrifice an animal to an idol, and then they would sell the meat, right? So they knew what the meat was for. And I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day. He's like, I won't eat halal meat. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, halal is, is meat that is overseen, that was... The, the murder of it, the, the murder of the animal was overseen by a uh, an imam, a, a, a Muslim priest. He's like, mm-hmm. I won't eat that because it's cursed. And I'm like, <laughs> it's cursed. Sounds like 1 Corinthians 8 right there. Yeah. Now, the reality is there is no God but one God. But in this person's mind, that is not acceptable to them because they know where the meat came from. It'd be like, a, I, in the book, I was like, what is a modern comparison? I, I hadn't heard this guy say this yet, but about the, he wouldn't eat halal uh, meat. That's interesting. But, but uh I, I thought about it this way. If a Satanist made your pizza, would yeah. you eat that pizza? Yeah, that's what yeah, that was what you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I probably would. It's pizza and the Satanist has no power over my pizza. But I understand <laughs> but if you were his former Satanist and you're like, I know the rituals he did over that, I yeah. know what it meant, you wouldn't do it. So here's the thing. Paul's saying if you're truly mature, you'll recognize where people are on their spiritual journey and you'll acknowledge that and you won't do that in their presence, something that would make them compromised. And that's what true maturity is. Dude, I can eat anything. That's what Paul says. Man, I can do anything. All things are permissible, but not everything's profitable necessarily. So yeah, I'd eat a a pizza made by a Satanist, but a former Satanist wouldn't do it. So I probably wouldn't eat that pizza in his presence. Right. Which is what maturity is. And that's where the tricky part is, is we have to recognize we're all growing. And yeah, there are some people that they haven't come to a level of understanding of that freedom and maybe they never will because of their background. But for us to belittle them, downgrade them saying, oh, you're small minded, you know, yeah, that's not maturity. You're legalistic. Yeah. You're caught up in legalism. I've been set free, but you know, I realized one time and Paul talks about those that have liberty being more mature, which, okay. But I realized one time that, you know, when you're walking with your daughter, an adult walking with a child doesn't drag, well, shouldn't drag the child (laughs) along and expect them to keep up. 
Right. The adult slows down. At some point, you get frustrated and have to drag them. But yeah, I hear what you <laughs> That's mean. That's what strollers are made <laughs> That's for. Right. Put them on your shoulder. Walk along. <laughs> but but if they're walking, then um, you slow down to keep up with them. Yeah. And, and, and in the same way, if you really are more mature, show it by slowing down. Show it by giving grace and love to the one that doesn't quite have that same liberty. And yeah. That's what Paul is simply saying, you know, show your maturity, show your love. Love builds up. You know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So if I love you, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to build you up. I'm not going to put you down for uh, where you might be in your walk. And maybe you'll change, but maybe not. Maybe that that's a crazy thing, that passage there that you read. We as believers tend to think that, okay, there's right and there's wrong. If it's wrong, it's wrong for me. It's wrong for everybody. Mm-hmm. If it's right, it's right for everybody. That's not really the case. We can have different convictions and it's okay. That's it's weird because you'd think the Holy Spirit would have like one standard, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I heard I heard a guy one time, uh, mm-hmm. God told him to stop playing golf. Yeah. He's like, golf is ruining your marriage. And he's like, what? So he sacrificed golf. About 10 years later, the Lord's like, I right, can play golf again. The guy's like, but it was ruining my marriage. He's like, yeah, but now you're ready for it. Yeah. So like there's this element of in certain stages of life, there are probably certain things that would be wrong for you that may not be wrong for other yeah. people. yeah. That old quote we used to say a lot, others may, you cannot. Mm, I remember you saying that all the time yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, because it's like it's like a tree. There are certain things in your life that maybe are weaknesses. And, mm-hmm. and the other example I use because everybody understands it is that of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. If you have an alcoholic parent, you have a greater chance of being an alcoholic. It doesn't mean you're going to be, but it's like a tree that maybe has a notch taken mm-hmm. out of one side. When the winds blow, it has a greater propensity to fall in that direction where the weakness is. So God knows what weaknesses we all have in us. You know, an abused child has a greater chance of growing up to be an abusive parent. There's all kinds of things like that that are like notches in our psyche or our our character or whatever that are weaknesses. Yeah, we just have some of it's nature, some of it's nurture. We just got natural temperamental stuff, yeah. And so the Lord knows what those are. And so there may be things he says to you, ah, don't do that. Others can do it. It's okay for them. Don't don't you go judging everybody else. But- you stay away from it. Which is where it comes to that very uncomfortable thing again, that judging, like there's certain yeah. things you're like, well, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. Like, and there are things, there are black and white. Yeah. There yeah. But I mean, things. but like, for example, the alcohol one is when we're like, yeah. well, then what do you do with all the German Christians? Cause they have yeah. beer at church. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know they have a separate, they have a little beer hall up in heaven, especially for them, <laughs> right, I guess. For the Germans. But it, it is so much of it is, is just recognizing where are you and what is your conviction based on where you are in your spiritual walk with God right now. Yeah. And recognizing those around you too. That's what that's what maturity recognizes where someone's at. And sometimes for their sake, you don't do that in their presence, yeah. which is where I think the new perspective is when life has beat you up a little bit, uh, I hate to say it that way, but when you've experienced a little bit of life, um, you eventually, some a lot of times you, you either get bitter or you get better. And when you get yeah. bitter, you just get more rigid. I think what times, sometimes we revert back to an even more hardcore way of living. But I think the goal is for God to make us a little bit more open to where people are in the stages of growth. And yeah. so you don't say, yeah, you know, that, that I see that as wrong, but uh, for them, apparently that's not. And maybe there are different, gro- and maybe one point it will be wrong for them. Yeah. But you have to recognize that, and I, I don't like that. I don't like the idea that yeah. we, we have to change over time, but there's this new perspective. And with when life, you've noticed that when people that have been through the ringer in life, they're just not quite as black and white about yeah. certain stuff, but other stuff they're really black and white about. It. And I think the older you get, sometimes you're, 
you're willing to fight in youth for something that in your old age you would be yeah. like, why did I even fight over that? But as you get older, you're like, man, that's not even worth fighting about. But that over there is worth yeah. a battle. Yeah. I remember as a younger man hearing Howard Hendricks. He was a professor at Dallas Theological at the time. And he said, you know, when I was a young man, there were things that I would just, I'd, I'd die for. Mm. And there were other things that I couldn't understand why people argued about that. Well, that's no big deal. He said, and then when I got older, some of those things that I would die for, I realized, that's no big deal. But things that I thought were trivial, all of a sudden I realized, well, those are crucial. and I'd, I'd die for those now. He says, so they're really about the only thing I've learned in this whole walk is stay flexible. Yeah. Things may change, you know, stay which, flexible. Which is really what that's about is, is stay flexible to having a new perspective on things. And that's, so that's the whole kind of that, the culmination of that perspective. Yeah. The culmination yeah. of that chapter is that through every season of life, God is wanting to expand your perspective to see him more clearly, see yourself more clearly. And that's what that chapter is about. And it usually happens on the tail end of a, a really challenging season. Yeah. So uh, the book's Connecting the Dots, available wherever books are sold, audiobook, anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, books uh, a million, all those places. And uh, Connecting the Dots, what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this with your friends on the platform of your choice. For more from Joel Malm, visit joelmalm.com. For more from Rick Malm, visit rickmalm.com. Our podcast music was produced by Alex Burleson.